Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Craig Pickett. Hey, welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Today, I'm here with uh, David Marquet. Dave is, David is a, uh, an accomplished author, speaker, former submarine captain, and the author of the highly proclaimed book, Turn the Ship Around. Uh, he's a highly sought after speaker as well, has done work for some, uh, some great companies, including Google, Airbus, Gulfstream Aircraft, General Dynamics, Lockheed Martin, and a whole host more. David, how are you? Good. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me on your podcast. And hello to all the aerospace executives out there. Hey, thanks for... Uh, We're going to go in the other direction today because uh, I was a submarine commander, so we'll, I'm going to take you underwater. There you go. Hey, you're the driver behind. Uh, I love in your book and on the presentations you do, you're the driver of intent-based leadership. Yeah. Talk about, tell what is leadership and what, you know, what is intent-based leadership? Yeah. So I used to think leadership was telling people what to do and getting them to do things. Now, the key there is one, it's you getting other people to do stuff and it's the emphasis is on doing. It's not generally about learning, and it's not generally about growing, it's about doing. And we're all very happy with this, and we came through the Industrial Revolution, and, and basically the structure in any uh, Industrial Revolution organization is that there are leaders and there are followers. There are thinkers and deciders, and then there are the doers. And so the idea is that one group is making decisions and the other group is executing the instructions of, of the first group. And this is certainly what I believed without really even questioning it. I didn't really realize it was a structure. It was just sort of like the air you breathe. And as I came up through the Navy. I was really good at that, telling people what to do. And I got rewarded and I was generally good at telling people what to, <laughs> to do. <laughs> you know, I'd see the problem. I go, no, stop that. Don't do that. You know, oh, Hey, hey. Uh, you know, leave the thinking to me here. This will all work out better if you guys just do what you're told. And uh, I went to a couple of, you know, submarines, uh, you know, I was moving my way up the ranks and generally fixed things. And, uh, you know, I got, and then, then I moved on. Of course, things got, went back to, you know, the way they were when I left, but that was just further proof of what a great leader I was. Yeah, and everybody hated me, but I was, uh, so what happened was when I got to be assigned to a submarine captain, I was uh, queued up for 12 months to go to one ship, but at the very Last minute, two weeks to go, the captain on another ship quit unexpectedly, and it was the Santa Fe, which was the worst performing ship with the worst morale in the Navy. And so the Navy said, well, look, uh, we can't have a ship without a captain, so Marquet, you go over there. The, the kicker was it was a different kind of submarine with different equipment, and, and it, was, it was one of the newest ships in the fleet. And I come in with this, you know, well, I'm going to tell everybody what to do. Well, as you can imagine, that was a boneheaded idea. And, but but to, be, to be fair, 
not only was I coming in sort of with this predisposition, but the crew, well, you know, they were happy with that. They were like, yeah, you just tell us what to do. We're good. Because they'd been beaten up so much, there was this bias into, like, don't do anything, right? Don't make any decisions. Just don't screw up, and you'll do fine. So uh, I made a call early on, very first day we went to see, which was a wrong call. And shockingly, the officer uh, repeated this order, which uh, did, didn't result in any harm or anything. The sailor, fortunately, didn't do it. But it, when questioned, the officer said, well, I knew it was wrong, but I was just doing what I was told. And it really rocked me back on my heels. And I got the team together. And my mindset had always been, well, when you give a bad order, when you make a bad decision as a leader, what's, what's the solution? You've got to give better decisions. You've got to make better decisions. And because I didn't know so much about the ship, this was not a conceivable solution. So I said, well, what's the alternative? The only alternative to that is not making decisions. And so I now conceive of leadership. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about creating an environment where they can be great just the way they are and building a team that can make decisions on their own. And here's the kicker. It starts with you leaning back. It doesn't start with you telling them, oh, you're more empowered, take more initiative. That's where it ends. It starts with you staying quieter, not giving the answer, even if you think you know it, and inviting them to tell you what they what they see, what they think's going on, what they would recommend, and even for us, what they intend to do, that they're going to do, if you don't stop them. And it was really, it ended up being uh, remarkably uh, successful in both the immediate performance and morale on the ship. But the really... The, the gratifying thing to me was over the next 10 years, 10 of our officers got promoted to be submarine commanders, which is a really highly disproportionate number. So with this, with this model, what you're doing is you're investing time and energy in people and you, you get the benefits of better performance and better morale, but you also get something you don't get when you just go around giving orders, which is you get, leaders all around you. And so I've now become this sort of annoying uh, zealot about this idea of, can you construct, like, why did you have to tell that person to do that? Like, what was going on there? Why did they not see the problem? Did they see the problem, but they didn't know what to do? Did they see the problem? It didn't feel like they had the authority to do anything. Like, what is it? So uh, that's what I run around the planet helping leaders do. So essentially, you know, you're you're saying, hey, look, I'm, you know, the best the best leaders are those who empower their people to make the decisions. Yeah, but you know, I, I have to tell you, I, this word empower to me triggers a picture in most people's minds, which is not, I, I think, the, the correct picture. But it, what it triggers in most people's minds is this idea of I'm going to go out and tell others to do more, to make more decisions, to lean in, whatever it is. And for me, it really starts with you and your own behavior and you doing less. Gotcha. So, yes, asterisk, sort of. So you got this crew on the Santa Fe and they've been beaten up. 
and they're probably afraid to make any decisions. And then all of a sudden you come on board and you're like, Hey guys, uh, what do you think? Right. Uh, you tell me, you tell me what to do. You tell me what you think is right. Right. I, I got to think that that transition, that didn't happen. Like I didn't, I don't, I don't think your, your, your officers walked out of the wardroom going, Hey, cool. We got, we got a captain here who's going to let us make decisions. I'm sure they were probably looking at you with, at least at first with, uh, some big question marks hanging over yeah, there with skepticism, sure. But but some of them jumped into it. I mean, some of them jumped into it. And uh, but again, this is why I say if you go back up to the control room and and the first interaction is, well, hey, um, where do you want me to submerge the ship? And I, I and and you answer the question, then you're back to the old uh, dance of telling people what to do and you have to change your dance steps. And so over and over and over again, I would just say, are they, tr they're trying to trick me once again into telling me what to do. Or, you know, they would do things like, Hey, so I'm thinking of submerging at 10 o'clock, you know, they look at you, right. And you, and if you, and you have to learn how to make no face. And, and again, this is why with language, I just said, just tell me what you intend to do. I, I, we didn't use the word empowerment because it's fuzzy, so it gets, it gets interpreted and, you know, you have a random outcome when you say be more empowered. You don't know what they're going to do with it. But when you say, tell me what you intend to do, and what that means is when you say that, you're going to pause, you're going to explain why it's right and why it's, why it's the right thing to do and why it's the safe thing to do. And then if I don't, if I say anything other than no, you audit, you have permission to do it, that people understand that. Okay, so what I do is I say, I say, I just say these words. And then the feeling of empowerment comes later, but it just starts with this language. Yeah, how did, I mean, your crew must have loved you. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a couple, couple weeks into this and they're coming and saying, hey, Skipper, my intent is to do this. And I can see a salesperson talking to the VP of sales and saying, you know, I intend to attack the customer from, you know, from this this point of view, et cetera, your, your crew and your, your teams must have, you know, you know once, you know, once they got you know, past the initial, the initial idea, they must have, they must have loved it. Uh, they, they, they enjoyed work much more than they did before. And again, so, you, you know, imagine you're taking over a poorly performing organization, which has the twin problems of poor morale and poor performance. I thought that here's, here's how it was going to work. I was going to sort of beat them into better performance, and then they'd be happier and proud of their ship because they had better performance. This is not what happened. What happened was very quickly they felt they have, that they had control over their work. We also emphasized the purpose of what we were doing, and we used some uh, tools to help it create feel like more like a team. We said there's no they on Santa Fe. You couldn't use the word they to refer to anybody across stovepipes or ranks. You always had to use the word we. And these three things, I think, this idea that, hey, I'm in it with others. My job, what I'm doing has relevance in the lives of other human beings in terms of making them better. And I have control or autonomy over how to do it. And as much as, and as, much as I, we all recognize that you can't just make random decisions about um, – Anything to do with Mother Nature, right? It's going to follow the laws of physics, so you really need to know what you're doing. 
So with that, I think what happened, the story is they got happier and then the performance went up. But the performance went up very quickly following sort of the happiness spike. And we know, I now know from studies that when people are happier, it frees up the prefrontal cortex, they're better at thinking, they're better at problem solving, they're better at empathy, they're better at working as team, you know, all these other things happen. And so that's, that was again another lesson for me. I work, I work with a lot of entrepreneurial companies and, and a lot of owner, you know, you know privately held, owner founded companies and entrepreneurs are the worst. They find yeah. that giving they find giving up control of any regard is just a very scary, you know, it's a very scary thing. Right. How do they get over it? How do you bridge? Yeah. How do you, how do you get a entrepreneur to say, look, let's try something different. Let's try this intent based leadership. So uh, first, first off, intent based leadership is fundamentally safe because it's safe for both parties because the subordinate knows that the leader has the opportunity to veto it if it's really wrongheaded. And the leader know, and, and since intent statement comes before the action, you know, I intend to commence take, uh, you know, uh, takeoff procedures, whatever. It, the leader still has the ability to veto the action, so it's safe for both parties. But the uh, so here's a, here's something everyone here's something you can all do. Go to dinner or, 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 or a restaurant and don't order. Turn to the server and say, "You choose for me," and don't play it safe. And that what that's going to do is you're going to have to deal with the anxiety of not knowing what they're going to bring you. But who's better? Who knows better what's going on in the restaurant? I had a friend. I got so many great stories from this. Um, you know, a friend over in the UK, uh, they had this Indian restaurant near where they live, which they would, was very convenient, but they never really liked anything. And finally, he said, you know what? You pick for me. And that was just an amazing meal because the chef obviously knows better. Seafood, the chef knows better. So, uh, so, so the other part of it is you will need to read the person. Some servers are going to be very nervous about it. Some servers are going to be like, that's awesome. And that making it safe for the server is the other half of the equation. Because when you go to your team and you say, hey, it's on you. I'd like to know what you think. What would you do if I weren't here? Blah, blah, blah. The reason they're not telling you is not because they're idiots and they don't know. It's because it's, it's, it's an issue of safety. And so you're going to have to read it just like it worked. So you do this 10 times, keep a little journal, notice how you react, how they react, and then start doing it at work in a very small way. That's interesting. Uh, hey, look, <laughs> that's a, you know, a good analogy right there. Um, I think a lot of people do that all the time. You're like, I don't know what I want. What do you suggest? No. And, and you, you that, and yeah. That's not what I'm sorry. No, that's not what that's, I'm talking about. Doesn't work, huh? No, that's not what I'm talking about because you didn't give up control. They said, oh, here's two things. Here are three things. And then you pick. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you choose. And I don't want to know what it is until it comes out in front of me. I want you have no influence over. That's a scary. Uh, that's a scary. Uh, right. Yeah. See the difference? Yeah. 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 Now, if you, you know, obviously, if you have nut allergy or something, you don't eat, um, you know, pork, you know, tell them that, you know, you should bound it. But. Um, try and have it as open as possible and just start seeing what happens. 
How are companies today? You you're obviously out. You know you're you're out there talking, meeting the the movers and shakers and some great companies out there. How do you see leadership in the corporate environment versus what you 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 saw in the military? Obviously, different. A lot of different styles out there. Are we getting better? Or are we are we stagnant? What do you <laughs> what do you see? Um, you know, people believe my story, which is good because it was true, but. They, they're very quick to say, well, you know, that won't work here because blah, blah, blah. And there's always a million and one um, reasons. Well, you had all your people together and I don't. Well, you, um, your people were highly trained and my people are idiots, whatever. Uh, you know, and I, I kind of point out, well, hey, look, I couldn't choose my people. I couldn't fire them, couldn't hire them. I couldn't change our schedule, couldn't change our process, couldn't change our ultimate, you know, product. Uh, so in, in some ways I had very little flexibility. I, I personally believe it's all the same. It's 99% the same, 1% different. You know, whether, whether, whether it's a manufacturing company, a bank, a tech company, nuclear power plant, it's all people. And they're all grappling with the same things, which is how do I get people to comply and conform when I need them to comply and conform, which is like starting the reactor or complying with some banking regulations. And how do I need, how do I get them to think and make creative decisions and understand when complying and conforming is not the right thing to do. So for example, on a, on a British airway flight recently, the, a lady was having an allergic reaction to nuts, but the plane was landing. So of course, when the plane is landing, Put on double chimes, everyone getting their seats, including all the flight attendants, because you're not supposed to be out of your seat when a plane's landing. But a lady is having um, a really bad allergic reaction. The flight attendant got the flight attendants got in their seats, and the lady died. And you, you just wonder, like, you know, really is you couldn't have. You know, you couldn't have risked maybe this one time because if the plane crashes, like you're all going to die. So whether you're in your seat or not, you know, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen then. But uh, So over and over, yeah, here, here's a better story. At a housing agency, they had a pretty good indication that one of the um, tenants had fallen ill. Uh, but the rules forbade them from not just knocking down the door like the police and going into the apartment. And the people on site had to make a decision, do I follow the rules or do I knock down the door with the idea that I'm going to save this person's life? In this, in this case, they did knock down the door and they, they were able to call the paramedics. They were correct in their assessment and they, uh, the person's life was saved, which is a great story. But I wonder, um, you know, what, were the, what communication was going on then and what would have happened if the person wasn't ill, they were just, I don't know, sleeping or something, I don't know. So these are, these are the tough points where leadership really needs to shine. Yeah, now you talked about like in your crew, you know, you had 14 officers in your crew, and you said nine of all become ship's captains or sub-captains and take it on senior operations roles. And you know, you had a huge reenlistment um, percentage of your, your, your enlisted folks and your crew. 
do they, you know, do you think that your, you know, this intent-based leadership, they carried it forward. Do you think that, you know, making them happier totally changed that perception and built them as leaders versus keeping them as followers? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So what happens is when you, normally everyone is managing down. I'm managing my people. I'm directing their reporting. I'm checking on them. I'm figuring out what they need to do. I give them checklists, blah, 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 blah. And with this, this idea, we're all sort of looking upward. We're figuring out how to connect my behaviors and activities to the purpose of the organization and I'm communicating up and around. And uh, if you go on any submarine today, you'll hear them say, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, I was on a submarine a couple years ago as a visitor. The engineer came up to the captain and said, Captain, I intend to, blah, blah, blah. You'll hear them use this language I'm, you know, of intent. So, yeah, they went out and they spread it. I mean, they put their own little personal tweaks on it. But the, but the idea is just a structure. It's not like everyone is forced to say intent. It's simply saying, hey, look, the ideal is to design the organization so intent is the default. Uh, you may have situations where you do have to give orders. And the worst, one of the worst things you can do is not give orders when you really uh, need to. And, and so what we say is intent or, or control, the amount of control you give is, is linked. It's a dependent variable based on people's technical competence and organizational clarity. And you discover that through these conversations. Is it safe and is it right? Is it safe? And sometimes safe means by the laws of nature and sometimes it means by our own procedures. Is it safe to knock down the door? No, I'll get in trouble. But is it right? Yes. Okay, what are we going to do? Gotcha. The, the other thing too is that, you know, hey, look, you, you don't, you know, as the, as the boss or the CEO or the vice president of sales, et cetera, a lot of people, um, they feel like they have to know everything. And in a lot of ways, you know, you could be a great boss, a great leader, et cetera, and lead great teams and still be learning through the, you know, you know walking through the learning process of the product, the company, the environment. Yeah, I think you should always have a focus on learning. Like when we write, you know, when we write quarterly objectives, um, you know, again, look, look, look at your evaluations. If you're doing personal evaluations, so-and-so did this, accomplished that, achieved this. It's all the language of doing, right? But what do we learn? Uh, the company writes quarterly goals. We're going to increase sales 10%, blah, blah, blah. What did we learn? And so when you, when you think about your language, you want to push the language into a language of learning from a language of doing, and you want to push it into a language of giving control as opposed to a language of taking control. This was, this was all we did. Every day, I just listened to the words people said on the submarine and thought about pushing the language in those two directions. Gotcha. Now you're talking with you and I before we we yeah before we started. You were talking about your new. You've got a new book coming out. Yeah. You're talking about you know new ways to communicate in yeah uh, moving from an industrial age style of communication to you know where technology and things are taking us next. Yeah. So basically, uh, I I I think leadership is like a language. You'll have to learn it like a language. You have to practice it like a language. And so I love, for example, CRM, which is what the pilots use, because 
you know, CRM isn't about, oh, be more empowered. It's let's just, let's just like look really carefully at the way we talk to each other and let's like do some tweaks there. So when the first, when the first officer is speaking up, he or she says things in a certain way. And when the pilot hears that reacts in a certain way. Now I'm, I'm sure there's someone out there teaching CRM who peppered his or her presentation with the word empowerment. But to me, the powerful thing is we we're specific about the words that we use in the cockpit and, and we're just going to change the words that we use. And of course, CRM has been wildly successful. It saves thousands and thousands of lives. So in, in some sort of, you know, idealistic way, I, I think what we need is CRM for business because business is still using, whether it's in the hospital or a manufacturing deck, is still using that old language that haven't gone through the uh, maturation process that the aviation industry has. Yeah, when you talk about, I mean, if you talk to any, you know, anybody in their 50s, any executive of their 50s today, they're like, oh, I got to talk to millennials. Yeah. Millennials are all like, I got to talk to Generation Z. And the right. next question is, how, how do I communicate with these folks? You know, how, how, yeah. does, how do I get my message across? So, yeah, I have, you know, I have a little bit different spin on millennials than some people. Now, I, I am one of those people in their 50s, but I have three kids that are in the late 20s, early 30s. And I, I, I think they're basically the same as us. I mean, did the DNA of the human race change? No. Okay, so that means they are the same as we are. They want the same things. The difference is the context in which they're growing up. We went from... Uh, so, for example, my family, we had four kids. So we had six people living in a, the average uh, house size was like 1,400 square feet. So you got six people living there. Now you got four people living in 2,400 square feet. So there was no mom's basement to move back to. <laughs> you, you wanted to get out of there. But I think what's great about the millennials is they're not, their tolerance for being treated shabbily is is lower which i think in the end at the end of the day will actually be better for the human race now I, you know so you can complain well his hair trigger you know I, I i looked at him sideways and he quit his job but i think in general just imagine that every leader who was abusive in the sense of coercive and just wringing things out of their people not interested in the development of their people um, no one worked for those people. To me, I think that would be a better world. So I'm appreciating their impact on the workplace. The idea is not how do we treat millennials different. It's what am I learning about millennials that reflects back on how I should treat everybody in the workplace. That makes me a better per that makes me a better person and a better leader. What what is oh, it about right. my, what is it about my communication style that's not resonating with my audience? Yeah, exactly. Because think about this. We say, oh, millennials, they don't need their job. Exactly. But no one in your workplace actually needs to contribute their full intellectual capacity. And so if you want them, if you want anyone to give you discretionary effort, their full thinking and intellectual capacity, which could be a hundred times more what they're doing now, you have just have no idea. You, it's got to be the same sort of voluntary interaction. Right. And, and so what millennials are teaching us is very useful for, for, for the whole workplace, I think. Yep. 
No, I agree. I agree. And then, you know, you think about the Googles and the Facebooks and the Amazons and some of the most amazing companies that have ever, you know, been created, you know, have been created in the last 20 years and, you know, how the language is changing there. You know, you know, it, you know the, the people that they're grooming and, you know, it, the next 10 years will be fascinating leader, you know, fascinating experiment, in communications, leadership, um, you know, technology, et cetera. So, so your book, so your website is www.turntheshiparound.com. Yeah, you can go there or davidmarquet.com. I think turn the ship around just redirects you at davidmarquet.com or turn the, the book, turn the ship around on Amazon. And uh, the other thing is um, for uh, listeners out there, if you're interested in some of these ideas sort of uh, chunked into little one-minute tidbits, we have a YouTube channel called Leadership Nudges where I have these little one-minute videos, and I talk about these little snippets that we've talked about today during the show, Craig. And uh, people appreciate, hey, it's only one minute, and then it gives me an idea. Because it's not about learning a whole lot more. It's just about practicing what you already probably know is the right way to be. Yeah, look, like I said, the, the last week I've, I've watched your presentations, I've uh, you know, read your book, and you got really excited for this conversation. It's, it's great stuff. And just, you know, a whole, you know, a whole different look at how to be a leader. Um, yeah, it, just a whole different way. And I, I really appreciate it. You know, kind of the refreshing point of view you brought to the, uh, to the table with that. You know, you see a lot of, you know, the Steve Jobs quotes out there. You know, the yeah. idea is not to hire great people and tell them what to do. It's to hire great people and have them, Tell us what to do. Um, it's exactly it's a so lot of the same. <laughs> it's a lot of the same stuff, and it's great. It's it's great, and I really enjoyed. Um, I've really enjoyed all your material and your book as well. Thank you, and for all you leaders out there, remember: ten times at the restaurant, don't order. 